Today's reading is from Mark, chapter 6. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After saying farewell to them, he went up on a mountain to pray. When evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. When he saw that they were straining at the oars against an adverse wind, he came towards them early in the morning, walking on the sea. He intended to pass them by, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. The Gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you this morning. Quick note, God had one of those weeks with me where you write your sermon title on Wednesday and then God gives you a different message to preach on Friday and Saturday. So don't look to that for guidance. Look to today's text, which is strange, actually. If I had been in charge... <clears throat> of writing this passage of scripture, I think I might have ended it a little bit differently. I would have said something like, the disciples were utterly astounded, for they did not understand how Jesus could walk on water, and all things considered, that's actually a pretty reasonable reaction. The word of the Joel. But Mark makes this story messy. Right at the end of this story about storms and walking on water, he brings in something that seems to be a little off topic. He writes, the disciples were utterly astounded for they did not understand about the loaves. They did not understand about the loaves. Of course, this is a reference to the story we heard in church last week, which comes right before this one in Mark's gospel, the feeding of the 5,000. That's an odd way to end this walking on water story. What do, lo what do loaves have to do with Jesus striding across the sea? These two stories seem so different especially when you look at what the disciples are doing in them. In the feeding of the 5,000, the disciples take the lead. They hand out bread, they collect leftovers, and here they are passive, just waiting for Jesus to get into the boat and still the storm. In the feeding of the 5,000, the miracle, it's directed at the crowds, 
And here it's the disciples themselves who need a miracle. But scratch beneath, beneath the surface, and it really is the same principle at work. The giving hand of God that helped those 5,000 eat is now coming to aid the disciples in their need. It's the same wild notion at play in these two stories, which is that God's love never runs out, and God's love is for everyone, and each of us is actually included in that everyone. It's harder to be on the receiving end of God's love sometimes. Many of us find it easy to believe that God cares about other people, that God is there for people who really need help, people with real problems. But when it comes to believing that God wants to care for us, it's a different story. I remember being a chaplain and going into hospital rooms where patients would be slipping in and out of consciousness with undiagnosed diseases or in chronic pain that they could not figure out how to manage. And each of them would say, don't trouble yourself, chaplain. It could be so much worse. Let's save God's power for the folks who are really struggling. These patients remind me of the disciples today who in great stress and fear in the middle of a storm cannot comprehend that it is actually Jesus they see and that he is there to help them. They are more apt to believe in a ghost than they are to believe that Jesus longs to give them the help they need. Why is that? Why is it that so many of us are reluctant to be on the receiving end of grace? Some of us might actually not see ourselves as worthy, might not think that we uh, understand ourselves as someone who deserves love. If that's true for you, please know that God is with you and that your own feelings of self-despair are a far cry from the sheer delight that God takes in you. But for most of us, I think it's actually a little bit different. Have you ever been at a potluck and there's one piece of cake left? This is Minnesota, so I know the answer is yes. <laughs> we all know that nobody at that potluck is going to dare touch that piece of cake. Why is that? Because we all believe that there's someone else at that potluck who might want that piece of cake more than you, and you should be a good person, and being a good person looks like giving others what they need, putting their needs before your own. And this seems good, right? This impulse to give to our neighbors, right? We look at Jesus and we see his life lived in humble service to others. Jesus talked a lot about how we ought to act generously towards strangers and friends and enemies. And here at this church at Mount Olivet, we are hardwired to do this. We are an active church in the world. 
We tutor students in poverty and then feed them on the weekends. We mentor students whose parents are serving time in prison. We house families experiencing homelessness here at church as we build to our houses in two countries and advocate, advocate for more affordable housing in our own communities. We're growing vegetables in our backyard to give to the food shelf. And in just a couple of weeks, we're putting on this huge block party to raise money for people in need in our community. It is a mighty and marvelous thing the tenacity we have to look toward our neighbors in need. But the devil's in our best stuff, too. Because what might sneak into our knee-jerk rush to give to our neighbors? What might be behind our proclivity not to take that last slice of cake because some imaginary person might want it more than us? is our desire to be in control. Our desire to be more than human. Our desire to be God. Other people might need help, we say, but I am someone who can give. Other people might be weak, but I am someone with power who can share benevolently. Other people are needy and can't provide for themselves, but I am a provider. I am someone who can delay and deny and outrun my own needs. I hear this proud tone in the disciples' voices at sea this morning. Though they are frightened and though they clearly need the help, they might think it's worse to receive help than to continue their futile struggle against the forces of nature that they're viewing as some kind of noble heroism. Perhaps, that they, perhaps they think that needing help is a sign of weakness. Perhaps it is. But also, perhaps, weakness is not the worst thing there is. Little ones to him belong, we sing, they are weak, but he is strong. We are weak. We all have limits. We all need help. And it's okay. Having limits is part of life, and no one should be ashamed when you are the one in need. No one should fear naming that they're the ones who are struggling. And in fact, when you don't name your need, you miss out. I remember being at one of these potlucks. There was one last brownie left in the tray, and it looked so good. And I thought, you know what? I bet someone here is still hungry. So I didn't take the brownie, and on my way home, it occurred to me that I didn't actually get enough to eat at that potluck. I was the one who was still hungry. In trying to be the giver of this gift, I had missed the fact that that gift might have been meant for me. And really, when you think about it, I'm not the one who's supposed to be the giver of gifts in the universe in the first place. That's God's job. God is the first and ultimate giver, not us. 
Scripture tells us every good and perfect gift comes from God and that God's giving is abundant and free. God's generosity is inexhaustible. Sometimes God shares that love with you so that you might share it with others. And sometimes God shares that love to you because you need it for yourself. But it's always God who is the giver. For there is nothing that quite delights God as much as giving the gifts of life and light and hope and healing to this world. All we do here is merely share in what God has first joyfully given to us. And that right there is the sign of the loaves that the disciples do not understand in today's reading. See, these loaves weren't meant to show that we're supposed to look to our neighbor's needs at the expense of our own. The loaves were meant to show that God delights in coming to each person's aid and that our neighbor's hunger and our own hunger are both fed by God's generous hand. The God whose pleasure it was to help those hungry crowds now has the joy of helping the disciples at sea. It's God's job to be the strong giver. Just let God have that job. God really likes it. Our job is to be grateful recipients and then to discern when it is that God gives a gift to us so that it might flow through us to be shared with our neighbors and when God is giving a gift to us because we are the weak ones in need of God's blessing. So don't stop feeding the hungry and housing the homeless, but imagine what it would look like to do that work, not as someone trying to be strong or in control or good, but as someone who is just as much in need of God's gifts as the person you're helping, as someone who is weak but is being made strong by God's generous gift of love, for you don't give so much as you share what has first been given to you. What would that look like to serve that way? We'll see a glimpse of this in just a couple minutes. At this table, God the giver opens God's hand with a feast that is not just bread and wine, but God's own healing presence with us and for the whole world. This table is no Minnesota potluck because you don't have to bring anything here except for your empty hands and the hunger you feel. And you don't have to feel bashful about taking what you need here because God's bounty never runs out. There is no last slice at this table, only endless grace from the one who delights in giving us every good gift. This feast of Jesus that we share here is large enough and good enough to feed you in your need and to give you the courage and strength it takes to pass God's gifts around until no one is afraid and all are fed. Amen.